the move. Blasted towards goal. Cenku Jack got it there. Cenku Jack's first goal in AFL footy. He looks brilliant. Wingard. Spinning move was superb. How good that time to look over his shoulder. Jack Wingard, brilliant. Simply brilliant. That Brockman by hand. More, more. Bends it. Nails it. The Hawks are up by three goals. Grabs the jumper. A first quarter horror show and a last quarter fade out led the Hawks to a dismal defeat to the Saints on Sunday. But as always, we're back for another episode of the Hawthorne Fancast with my co-host James to unpack it all. How are you, James? Good. And yes, mate, it was a game that started and finished the same. We were we were terrible to begin with. We didn't turn up and we left early after such a dominant middle period where we found ourselves only two goals down at three-quarter time and in a position where we thought that we were actually going to be ready to pounce and maybe take the game and steal victory. Yeah, so I wasn't at this game, um, so I'm a bit disappointed here you left a bit early to this one. But look, I can see the frustration. That first quarter was a joke. And I'm going to come off the long run and say it straight away that this was a, one of our worst losses for the year, I reckon. Based on the team the Saints had in, missing Bradley Hill, missing Max King, they had a really lack of weapons. They were playing terrible form. They almost lost to North last week. I actually think this was a really bad performance from us. I mean, you'd be naive to say that St Kilda wouldn't come out firing after the beating they caught from us early in the year. No, it wasn't a smasher, but they obviously did their homework. They tagged James Sicily, Cooper Sharman, shut him down uh, from from right from the start. They shut down our midfield. Our midfield was probably putting their worst performance of the year, but it was more so the Saints mids just getting first hands on all the balls, and they created heaps of entries. And what they did when they created entries, the Saints, is they forced stoppages. And now we're the worst stoppage side in the comp at conceding from stoppages. Um, so I think they scored seven goals from stoppages, and they scored five goals from centre clearances, and that's already 12 of their 19 goals, or however many they scored. So that's terrible. Yeah, this, the first thing that stands out to me is conceding 120 points against St Kilda, who struggled to break 80 with Ross Lyon's defensive-style yeah. game. That was the biggest disappointment for me, and it's kind of been echoing what we've been talking about here on the Hawthorne Fancast for the last really five weeks about how leaky our defence has been. It was a shocker performance there, and clearly James Sisley needs some help. And it kind of sucks because the last two weeks, I think we've both scored the exact same points. I think we are 93 last week, and or well, 95 last week, I think we were, and 93 this week. So we're scoring higher scores at the moment than what we have during the season. Um, in other games, especially when we've lost. So scoring isn't the issue. We just really need to fix up the defense. Yeah, and this negativity might be unpopular with fans, considering we were probably the better team for two quarters there. Uh, The second and the third, we really came in hard. I thought we were going to maybe run over them in the last. But I don't think you can go past the, uh, the fact that when things are going bad, we don't have any competitiveness really to shut it down. They were piling on goals like crazy. I think they scored 48 points in the first quarter, which is... 55. Uh, 55, there you go. So there's no wonder we saw one of Sammy's biggest sprays I've ever seen from him. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it because I was thinking the same thing in my head. That was pathetic, especially from a midfield unit who's been good all year. We need to do better to stop them from getting those clearances, even just put, make, create some extra stoppages. But you're right. Uh, I, I was so surprised because Saints, I don't really rate their midfield very highly. And Zach Jones got injured early and that still didn't really make much of a difference. Well, the goals came so fast. Like being at the game, I was just waiting for the siren to go at the end of the, for the end of the quarter so we could reset. It's really hard to reset 
in the middle of quarters or coming to an end of a quarter. Um, so I was just hoping they wouldn't keep piling them on. I think they got to around 30 points up, and I'm like, look, just please blow the siren because if yeah. it gets any more than this, it's going to be a really hard to come back. And they got up to 43 points at one stage, and for us to cut it down to 11, so we've cut a 32-point lead, um, was pretty good in itself. But you're not going to cut any more than 30-point leads. You saw what Richmond did twice last week that's probably the max that's ever going to happen that's right yeah um so it was good that it happened in the first quarter because we just had so much time to just chip away that's right um at the lead i remember counting at the game being like oh just two more two more two more um yeah nothing nothing too big but we kept getting runs of twos or runs of threes and then they'd kick one back then we get another run of two another run of three um so the comeback was really nice and the third quarter was some of the best footy we have played it was just really unfortunate that we let ourselves down at the start and at the end. Yeah, and before we get into, obviously, particular plays in this game, I, you know I love my stats. I always grab them up after the game to really see where we might have lost this one. And the, the one that stood out for me the most was actually in, in work rate. So we had um, 16 more kilometres Saints ran than us. That is huge amount. And to add on top of that, 21 more sprint efforts as well. We got outworked in this game really really badly and saints don't have a dangerous forward line but they worked out the back of us a lot and that shows how well they were running to get the extra man and get loose that is really disappointing for me i'll tell you where we lost the game though it was at selection so the first quarter they were scoring so many goals and james sisley who is our only intercept defender that was playing because yeah. scrimshaw wasn't playing that was a bad call yeah. um so cooper shaman was taking him up the ground and then they'd bomb it in 50 and it'd be Frost with about three Saints players trying to defend three Saints players with our Smalls, with Hardwick and Impey that really aren't going to make much of an impact in, in an aerial contest when there's other big guys around. Um, so if, to, to leave out Scrimshaw, it should have been Scrimshaw in for Amon, not Bramble in for Amon, mm-hmm. um, which Scrimshaw was already in the side. And, and then, I would, have, then I would have also started blank. Would you have shifted Weddle onto a wing? Yeah, would have shifted. Because yeah. Amon's out. So you would move Weddle up to a wing. You'd keep Scrimshaw in the side. Um, you'd put Blank on the field. And then you'd put McKenzie as the sub because McKenzie can provide a little bit of run and a bit of class at the end. And he, he didn't have a good game either. But I feel like our structure was just so off. Once we took Seamus Mitchell off, and no discredit to Seamus, he was fantastic the first quarter. It was just someone had to be the sacrifice. Yeah. Someone had to come off. Um, I would have taken off Bramble personally um, instead of Seamus because Seamus can at least shut down a Butler, a Higgins or Makita Owens who was nowhere near it. Um, Whether Bramble doesn't have any defensive side to his game, he's all attack. So I would have taken off Bramble, um, kept Mitchell on, kept Blank on and once Blank came on, the defence was so much better and uh, the guys like Caminiti and Zane Cordy weren't having any impact at that point. So... I don't know. I think we lost it at selection. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I've been a bit perplexed by some of Sam's calls this year in terms of selection. I, I thought it was weird that DGB was a sub a couple of weeks ago. Now, blank. It seems like we need a player that can probably run out games to the end and maybe has a bit more versatility. Because what if uh, what if Ruckman went injured or well, maybe not Ruckman, but you know, just a mid or something like that? You need someone you can fill in different positions. So I thought that was odd too. To take Scrimshaw out, I don't think anyone thought that was going to happen, and that was surprising. Luckily, Scrimshaw had a really good game at Box Hill, so yeah. I expect him to come straight back into the team. And I know a lot of fans are displeased with that one. So, yeah, I agree. This selection was very odd, and Bramble and McKenzie probably didn't make good cases for them to stay in the team. That I'd say they might be both coming out, which I'm sad about. I think McKenzie definitely deserves more games based on his Box Hill form. 
Bramble's form was good too at Box Hill, but he had that bad of a game with all his turnovers that uh, I think he had the most clangers on the ground and he kicked it 46%. Oh, it was a liability so, by foot. There you go. There were so many times where we're going forward and it was Bramble's turn to, to kind of take on that aim on role. And no, of course, Bramble's no aim on, but we needed someone to deliver it in 50. And a lot of the times, especially early in the game, it was Bramble's turn to do it. And he'd just pick out the one Saints player or do a grubber along the ground and miss kick it. And yeah, it was, it was pretty hard to watch. And I want to, I want to bring one more player up before you, we, we obviously move on to the next segment. He's, um, I saw a comment on one of the Hawks posts, which I, I thought was good. And that's, uh, where's Wally Brockman? Uh, He's another player I like to line up before we, we finish off with the negatives because I thought he was, once again, lack of intent, lack of energy. And I love Brockman. I think he's so exciting and he could offer a lot. But he seems like a player who has pretty much stamped his tickets to WA because the way he played on the weekend was just not up to standard. It's funny you say that because here's me thinking, oh, it's going to be him and Flying Ryan at the Hawks next year. Obviously, Liam Ryan came down to Melbourne to visit Brocky and... There's a bit of rumours about them just getting together and building culture before Liam Ryan comes to Hawthorne. But, God, did Brocky play like a guy that was going to fly back with Liam Ryan and join West Coast. Yeah. And he reminds me a bit of Cyril sometimes in his cleanliness and his his rapidness sometimes. But Cyril would never not go hard at a marking contest, at least halve it. And he would never jog around the field. He yeah. was a hard-working player. And the way Brockman was playing on the weekend, I was like, we just need another small forward. So the prospect of getting Ryan in, which we'll hopefully talk about a little bit later, is a real possibility for me because I, anyone right now, could, I reckon, would work harder than Brocky. And, you know, Sam Butler's obviously knocking on the door a little bit. And I don't really know who else we have there, but we need more competition for spots in that area of the ground because Brocky, for me, these last two weeks, has been one of the most disappointing players. I think just so much of our forwards lack intensity especially when it comes to contest or defensive efforts and mm. there's there's one we'll get to in a second it was going to be in our three two ones that did it fantastic on yesterday but uh yeah, yeah. i actually think uh, a few of the small forwards actually had really good games i'll just briefly name off the bat wingard bruce and more all actually played with quite good intent and look more hasn't had a great year we've spoken a little bit about him but he always gives his 110% exactly. during the game. So no one really has much of bad things to no say one about him because he has a good crack at it. So let's get to our three two ones. Uh, I'm assuming with three, Bruce turning back the clock and kicking six has to be get the three votes. Even though I think he only had um, eight disposals or something and six of them were goals. And that doesn't matter because you've kicked 36 points. Um, you've got your team back into it. I think four of them might have even been in, in that third quarter. Um, which is outstanding. And when you barely can't get the ball in there, to make use of your opportunities as well as Brewsty does, six goals off what eight touches, that's fantastic. And you're not asking small forwards to get possessions, you're asking them to kick goals. And at the end of the day, kicked, I think, six straight. He missed a couple of set shots that were like from beyond his range. Yeah, he's lost a bit annoying. of distance. Yeah, he has. But, I mean, we keep saying everything. I hear fans talk about it every year. He's lost a bit of pace. He's getting older. But he's still a leading goal kicker. He might be an All-Australian contention I was about to say, at this stage of the season. He kicked six goals. There's only one small forward statistically better than Luke Bruce this season, and that's Charlie Cameron. So yeah. Luke Bruce is actually turning out to be a smoky. If he can finish this season well and get a few more bags of five, six, that tally's just going to go up, and it's going to be really hard to ignore Bruce for an All-Australian. It's funny because we've watched Bruce this year, and he probably hasn't given us 
we probably haven't looked at him and seen oh all Australian player, but he's given us some really good honest performances. Maybe so, but only because we're in a losing team. In terms of what he's producing from a team that's third last and ladder, is fantastic. Absolutely, honestly, I, I think if we were a top four team, imagine how much more goals he would have with the service that he'd be getting. Because that guy can beat anyone one-on-one. And I love Bruce D and I'll scream it to the day I die. And I've got him in the back of my Legends jersey right now. I, I can't get enough of Bruce D. My retro jersey, actually. Yeah, so um, yeah, well done, Bruce D. You deserve the three votes from both of us for this game. Who'd you go with for two? Yeah, this one was a bit of a harder one, but I actually have to Wingard. Oh, yeah. I gave him the one. So we'll, okay. we'll go through Wingard together because we both gave him votes. You gave him two. I gave him one. Purely on the, the fact that he had the most score involvement for the second week in a row. And I only gave him one last That's week because his second half was so, you know, he went missing in the second yeah. half pretty much. But this game, I thought he was more consistent throughout the four quarters. Absolutely. I think he had 26 touches or something like that, which was... He's looking like vintage Wingard again. And he's playing for a contract, clearly, or at least upping his draft capital to go to another team. Yeah. So... Man, I had to give to Wingard. I thought he was electric. He kicked those two really good goals. One was really important to put us back in within 11 points before Frosty m- messed everything up and did the most stupidest thing Ugh. a person could ever do on a football field. We'll um, get to that later. We will get to that. Um, but yeah, I gave Wingard my two votes. What do you think about Wingard's game? Oh, I loved him. And you mentioned about score involvements. I think that's the best thing about since he's come back is he's been the... He's always looked the most likely to and, give us some score. And our scoring's increased since he has been back. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I really want Wingard at the club next year. Uh, I feel like the last four or five weeks or since ever he's been back has been exceptional. He's kicking goals now. And some of the goals he's kicking are absolute blinders as well. He's giving us goals out of nothing. He's creating opportunities for all our forwards. And there were a few efforts yesterday. And, and I think that's one thing that has been questioned by a lot of Hawthorne supporters is his defensive efforts. And there was some efforts yesterday that were exceptional. Oh, some smashing chase down tackles. Some good tackles, some which resulted in holding the ball and others that should have been resulted in holding the ball. And yeah. He's kicking goals. He's uh, he's obviously creating scores for others and that's all we want. That's a wing guard we traded for. That's right. Yep. So I'm happy he's injury-free right now. He looks like really high on confidence. Hopefully he can continue for the rest of the year and see what, he, what might happen next year. I gave two to Warple. Okay, I gave him one to Warple, so we just reversed orders yeah. there. So we yeah. had the same players, different yeah. rows. I just feel like Warple's the only one that really gave us anything in the midfield for consistent four quarters. Yeah. So I would have said Newcomb had a really good third quarter. He did, yeah. Really helped. He would have been my next vote if we're giving four. Um, he really helped us get back into the game. He was very effective. But there's something about Warple's consistency, and I think that's the biggest knock on him in previous years since he won his Peter Crimmins medal is that He'd come out for a good game here or there, but it was definitely not consistent. Or he'd play half a good game. He'd be good for a quarter or two and then go. But the consistency and the composure, and I've talked this the last three weeks about his composure, that he now finds himself with more time and space with the ball. He's yeah. making good decisions. Yeah. So there's a knack, there's like a knock on his disposal, but there's not a knock on his decision-making. Whether I feel like there used to be a knock on both. It used to be his decision-making and his disposal let him down. The only thing that lets him down is his disposal. But yesterday, he went at 80%. And that's what I've been talking about with Warple for the last few years is that the reason why I want him to get more disposals is because if you're going to get not a lot of disposals, you've got to be pretty good with the ball. Like, you've got to be using it. If you're getting 20 touches, but you want them to be 20 good touches. You get 30, it means you're in the in the middle of trying to win hard balls. So I don't really mind that. Warple's found himself in a really good form patch recently. Really good form patch. Because if you look at the echelon of the season, 
Nash, he started really strong and to the middle of the year was also still going. And now he's having shoddy performances yep. on and off, on and off, on and off. He's still performing pretty well. He didn't have one of his better games on the weekend, but he's a bit more prone to having his off game. But Warple right now is easily our most consistent performing midfielder with Newcomb. But Newcomb can have off quarters sometimes when they, they, they're they putting a lot of work into Newcomb. I've been yep. watching it. So, yeah, Warple's been putting me in a hard position now because I've been talking about you know his trade value and we need to shift out another mid. But right now, he's making it difficult because he just keeps playing good football. Based on his consistency, is he leading the PCM? No. I think he is. I, I don't think he started the season strong enough. I think Newcomb has racked up probably the most, I reckon, throughout the season. I, I'd still put Newcomb as number one for my PCM. Impey started very strong, and now he's faded rapidly since he was he got injured for that one week. Um, Nashi started very strong. He's fading. Will Day is having not A-plus games, probably A-grade games now, so he's not he's, quite getting the devotes. I think uh, Will Day's an interesting one because he's played some absolute blinders of games, but now he's being used as a bit of a mix, Mr. Fix-It around the ground. They're, they're putting him back in defence as well because we clearly... I mean, we can talk about the defence forever, but they're just trying to plug some holes back there because yeah. our defence is so leaky. I, I think if Scrimshaw was in, he wouldn't have to go back as much. We could play him more on the ball. Um, clearly, they put McKenzie in to try and give him a chop out a bit more this time. It didn't really work. So, But yes, on, on form, Warple has been our most consistent performer over the last five games. Let's talk about Frost. Now, okay. we love to hate him. We hate to love him. He was a guy that yesterday put on solid performance in terms of his effort he's he, he i think he went at 100 percent disposal efficiency which is frosty yeah which okay. is nuts yeah. he had 12 disposals at 100 which okay. i don't think he's ever had a game like Cause, that because he clearly has a license to like handball off to other players a lot i've noticed he doesn't go for those yeah. hard kick offs yet yeah i think yeah. sam mitchell has taken his kicking license off him um or at least that whole rapid play on stuff that he does. He doesn't do as much yep. anymore. He did it once last week and it really fucked us up. Um, but when, you, when you're coming back really strongly in the third quarter, you kick some goals and then you lose a centre clearance and you get a free kick, you don't fucking give it away. <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> for him to push, who did he push? Was it Cooper Sharman or Dan Butler, I think it was. It was Dan Butler. Yeah. And Dan Butler, he flopped like a sack of potatoes. He like, did. He, he, he made an absolute meal of that, like he was in a bloody opera. Yeah. yeah. So, look, the umpire shouldn't get sucked in, but at the, you have to know the stage of the game. Now, yeah. if that doesn't happen, we could have found ourselves in front at three-quarter time based on the fact that Saints kicked the next two from that Frost era. And they then did. we came back and found ourselves yep. back at that margin that we were yep. when Frost did it, which was two goals. So I think it was 12 points, and then we got it within 11 at three-quarter time. So, But we had, to, we had to come back again. So we had done all that work to come back. Frost does what he does. Two more goals, extends it back to 25, 30, whatever it was, and then we had to come back again. Yeah. I saw a post or a headline on an article today and I had a good laugh at it and it was like proof why Sam Frost is the stupidest man in football. Yeah. Ed or dumbest got player in football or something like that. And I looked at it and I'm like one hundred percent correct. That's the second week in a row we've given a descent free kick and it's turned the tide of the game. Yep. Sicily in the th- late in the third last week and this week from another senior player who's a vice captain by the way, gives away a dumbass free kick. To literally break break all momentum, and we know how momentum happens because this game was literally the blueprint for it. They kicked 
40, 55 points or whatever in the first quarter. Then we found our way back within 11. And then he gives away a free kick and they kick two back. And then we have to claw that lead back again. And then the siren stops our momentum. That's right. So it's a game of momentum. And if you can't, like, you, it's just stupid. Like, play the game and get off him. It's just, look, obviously the free was soft and stuff like that, but you just don't do it. You just calm down. It, 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 and and this is if this was an isolated incident, we wouldn't be talking about it. But Sam Frost has been doing stupid things like this for a while now. For his whole DJB is a bit like this as well. Yeah, just hotheads who can't get on with the game and give away his dumb free kicks. They get they get white line fever, and there was a few moments yesterday that we didn't give away free kicks when Sicily was doing stuff like that as well. I know Cooper Sharman was trying to get into our heads, and he, he did it pretty well, uh, mind you. But I can't help but think if we went into three quarter time in front. The game could Maybe. have been played yeah, differently. And definitely. It's always should have, would have, could have. Um, you just don't know. Yeah. Um, but, but still, like, you have to learn from them, say like that. And look, we have to keep asking the question of our defence. It's been that bad for so long now. We've got to look at it and go, okay, who's in there? And what do we need to do to replace some of these players? Because you get to that point now where Frosty's been in the team since, what, 20... 2020. 2020. And we've been a bottom four team in all those years. Pretty much, yes. And clearly, they tagged Sicily this weekend, and they understand that our defence is not much without Sicily in it. He needs help badly. Well, a part of the ground that's improving is our forward line. That's right. And I really like the debut of Sticks Ryan. Sticks. Sticks. Love Sticks. He's a stick, isn't he? He's a tall, lanky second forward, and he made an impact from the pick start. Up, pick up he, sticks. Pick up sticks. <laughs> he made an impact from the start. I think it was the first contest of the game. Warple got the clearance, and yep. Ryan got himself in front of Mitch Lewis to take a mark from about 50 out, went for the shot, shanked the kick, but there was a lot to like from that moment. Kicked one goal, looked like it could have been two. Uh, I thought it was two when I got home and realised he had just kicked the one. And yep. He showed more in that little glimpse we got of him yesterday than what DGB and Cozzy have all year in terms of potential and what we might get for them. Yeah, it's the marking ability for me. Yeah, We haven't had a secondary tall that's been able to take a good had a presence. Because Cozzy crushes packs really well and he's competitive, but he can't take a grab in a contested situation. And DGB is just, you know, DGB. He just yeah. floats around and just does a couple of things every once in a while, gives away 10 free kicks a game. But sticks, yes. Can take a grab. Kicked a nice snap, I think, on his weak foot even. Yeah, he's um, right. So, yeah. And look, he'll blow off the cobwebs, the nerves from the first game, and hopefully have a really big game against Collingwood. I expect him to be in the team completely because I think mo- m- most Hawks fans loved him on the weekend. I mean, DGB kicked five at Box Hill, but I don't think that was still nah, enough it won't to... Be, it won't be enough. Yeah, I don't think to take out Ryan. sticks. At least they can find... At least someone else comes out. Maybe a certain ways Wally Brockman. So he's a mature age. He's 25 years old, but he's only 25 years old. And I think that's a perfect age... That's right. ...to yeah. have the second forward. And and obviously, I'm pretty sure that we'll be going hard still for a second forward in the off-season. I think so. But it's good to have some competition for spots because we've said for a while that Cosy's not in, and at least Brandon Ryan's got some potential. And we forget that a lot of good key forwards are actually mature age recruits. Like, you're looking at Braden Majacek, James Podziadley. They're yeah. all they're both um, uh, mature age recruits. You never know. He could be a, a mainstay if he keeps performing. It's only his first game. We've just got glimpses now. And uh, Well, it's good because yeah. he had his first game and he made an impact. We, we've seen the likes of uh, even Mitch Lewis in his first game and his first couple of games didn't show too much. We, saw, we gave Jackson Callow a few chances and he didn't really show anything either. So we've given these tall forwards some... Games and to we gave Tim O'Brien seven years and he didn't show much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old 
almost O'Brien. Uh, but yeah, Sticks came in and, and had an impact pretty much instantly and had an awesome game. So I really like that. We played one ruck on the weekend um, and we've trialled that in recent weeks. Um, but it was Meek's turn to have a go at being yeah. the same ruck. And in the first quarter, he got absolutely dominated by Ron Marshall to the point where I was like, oh, we just need Reeves for his tap work. But He won Ron, the hit out, so. He rectified it. His next three quarters was the best for for the club. Yeah. He had an outstanding game, Lloyd Meek. Okay. Um, for the rest of it, that he keeps his spot, I think, as the sole ruck. He, he might keep his spot. No, no, uh, he definitely keeps his spot. I think he keeps his spot as being the solo ruck for next. I'll week. be interested to see if they bring Reeves back in, but anyway. No, I liked it. I liked depends, it. I guess it depends on Collingwood's team as I well. I think Collingwood have both Darcy Cameron and Mason Cox, so that could be an issue. Yeah. I think Reeves does match up well against Mason Cox being the same mm. height. And, and a bit slower mover yeah. as well. Yeah. Look, yeah, Meek me did win the headouts all right. I, I still think for me, I mean, maybe I'm just comparing against ridiculously good Ruckmans, but I was watching the Richmond-Melbourne uh, game on Sunday and watching Gorn pretty much will his team over the line that last quarter and taking contested marks, getting clearances, kicking goals, and I... I just think that our ruck stocks are so bad right now that one market game is a stock standard for our ruckman. It's not good enough. We don't have enough chop outs down the line. That's why it was actually good to have uh, Brandon Ryan in because we actually have that get out of jail free card contested mark down the line. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe for me, the rucks just have to be doing more than what they're doing right now. But he, but yeah, yes, you're right. He, he did. He was serviceable. I would say. I wouldn't say he was amazing. Personally. Yeah, fair enough. Before we get into the next game, Buddy Franklin announced his retirement today. Yes. Um, it was going to come. Uh, unfortunately, he won't get a farewell game. I think he is carrying a bit of an injury, uh, which is why. But yeah, it's the end of an era for, for a guy that we've watched his whole career. He debuted around when we actually started watching footy. Yeah, throughout our whole in, childhood. Back in yep. 2005. And I, I remember um, we had a poster upstairs in our house and Dad was saying when we put it up, He's only 18. You're going to watch his whole career. Yeah. And he's going to bring crowds. And it's exactly what he did. And we've had amazing buddy moments throughout, obviously, our Hawthorne supporting life that it's a chance for us to almost give the listeners what our favourite buddy moment is. And yeah. I'll start with you at the top of your head. I know you haven't prepared this mm-hmm. and I haven't really prepared this in our run sheet, but you can tell us what your favourite buddy. And I'm sure we might even have the same. Maybe. Let me take you to a day in 2007. Yeah. Uh, first we're, of all. We're, we're there. We may as well just... Yeah, elimination final against Adelaide. And we were behind the goals at uh, the... We were in the cheer squad. Oh, I'm, I'm going to say we're behind the goals. At the Coventry end. At the Coventry end. That's yep. right. Yeah, whatever it's called. Seeing Buddy launch bombs from 70 metres out, 60 metres out to, to win us that elimination final. And you knew that there was something special. And look... I'll just preface to say before you get into your, I think it's probably the same anyway, yeah. is when you think about our, you know, live supporting footy, these sort of the sort of players that make you such big fans, you know what yeah. I mean? Like we grew up and I know most of you listeners here will, will probably be the same is we grew up with some amazing players at Hawthorne, God Squad really, Cyril Riolo, Luke Hodge, Lance Franklin running around, but no one stands above the excitement that Lance Franklin bought when he was at his full potential. 100 goals in a game. Elimination final wins. It was just incredible watching a freak of an athlete play. And even though he's moved clubs, it just feels like he still will always be in our hearts. That childhood hero, that fourth yeah. legend. We both had him on the back of our jerseys, maybe four iterations of jerseys. Like <laughs> he was just an incredible player, and it's uh, almost brings a tear to your eye. To, to your eye, thinking back on the on the good memories that Buddy gave the Hawthorne Football Club. 
Well, it's funny because I remember that day so vividly and we were eight years old. Yeah. So we were eight years old. Um, and I think the, the special thing about it was it was the day Buddy Franklin truly arrived. And, and I think Hawthorne fans like ourselves, it being that young, we could already sense that he had already arrived. But it was almost like he arrived to the AFL world. They knew off the back of a seven-goal performance in a final that this guy was going to be something special. And, and I haven't cried after too many wins. Then more losses I've probably cried after. And that was... As an eight-year-old kid, him kicking that winner and the siren going, I remember just full going to tears, going, how good's this? Like, we've just won a final. The first final I had witnessed since following footy and the and to win that um, was just a great day. And, and Buddy put on one of his best performances and he, he liked to do it on the big stage. Not not so much grand final day as much. He did play some good grand finals. He, the 08 grand final was fine. He played well in 2012 as well. Unfortunately, we lost it. Um but I remember he played well in the, in the Bulldogs final in that 2008 qualifying final. He played really well. He kicked about eight on Brian Lake, um, <laughs> which is another mem- memory. Obviously, the hurdle goal and the one he kicked on Kale Hooker. And I know Kale Hooker doesn't like being reminded about that goal. So he's given us, as Hawthorne supporters, although we left halfway through his career, just so probably the most joy any player yeah. has given us, just based on the pure brilliance and... Oh, unbelievable stuff he did on the footy field. And it speaks through his legendary status that he left our club midway through his career and it's still like a lifetime of memories he left behind. Yeah. Like the the goals, the excitement. You never see bigger Hawks crowds at games than when he was playing. I mean, I remember going rocking up to games when we were younger and if he was laid out, you'd be like, oh, this is going to be half the game it would have been. I you, think- you almost go to see Buddy play sometimes. He was that good of a player. I think we're lucky to see probably the two best highlight packages ever in Buddy and Cyril. In the same team. It's so if you, put, if you put their highlights package together, it's probably the best highlights package to ever exist yeah. in footy. Yep. Like they're the two players. Then maybe like Eddie Betts would be the next. But we like, are so fortunate. We're so players. fortunate to have seen Buddy. And as you said, we saw half of his career for our club. But I would almost say he's the best Hawk I've ever seen play. Yeah, and I think that's a fair assessment. And we've I had, think we've so. Had awesome, yeah. it, it's amazing to see because he's the best we've seen, but we've only seen him win one BNF in his career, and, and and for Hawthorne, based on who he was playing around. Like it's really hard that's to right, win yeah. a BNF when you've got uh, Cyril Ruffy, who both I don't even know if they even won one, but obviously Mitchell and Hodge won a couple. Yeah, as well. So, and then you've got Gibbo and Lewis who also won some. Saul won one. So he was playing with an awesome team and was the best player in that team. And uh, we were so lucky not, growing up to see Buddy Franklin. Not many players can go to your premiership rivals at the time and still be loved by the fan base. Absolutely. Like that, that that was the excellent of this sort of great player. Yeah. He, obviously he played in a God squad, so they took a lot of accolades away from him, but don't take away from the fact that this guy kicked over a thousand goals in footy and gave us some of the best memories that will last a lifetime. It's a player like your Careys, like your Dunstalls, like your Lee Matthews that you just never forget and you'll tell your kids about and your grandkids about and you, everyone knows him, even when they're not footy fans, everyone knows Buddy Franklin. That's the kind of character of this guy. So yeah, of course we need to have a bit of a chat about how good he was for the Hawks and People forget the selfless role he played in our 2013 grand final win where he moved his player up the ground a lot more. We took out the body blinkers. Um, yeah, what, what a player. That's it. And the a club Buddy used to dominate against was Collingwood. And that's yes. our opponent on Saturday at 4.40 at the MCG. 
the ladder leaders coming off a loss against their arch rival Carlton will be absolutely hungry to belt us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know if it's a good time getting them after they've just had a bit of a wake up call against their arch rivals. I don't really like it that much, but neither. Yeah. It's yeah. funny because they come off two tough weeks against Port and Carlton. They looked really tired yeah. on Friday. And I remember penciling in this uh, fixture for a couple of weeks, thinking that we, we could be the team that finally get on top of them. But I'm not so sure now, mm. just based on last week. Yeah. Um, that was and a their big step loss. back for us. So I feel like it, it's not just our loss. I feel like their loss. I feel like Collingwood aren't a team that are going to lose two games in a row. Um, and, and they're going to be seething after losing to their arch rival. They want that number one top of the ladder spot locked up. Um, and there's a good way to do it because they've got a tough run home after us as well. And I know they play Brisbane. Um, I can't remember at the top of my head who else they play. But I remember looking at it going, geez, they've got a tough run. So there are yeah. no guarantees to finish top of the ladder. But finishing second's just as good because they'll get that home final anyway. Uh, but I'm sure they want the minor premiership. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to do two bad performances in a row. However, the one thing that might work our way is the idea maybe that they've lost a bit of confidence getting yeah. beaten by their arch rivals in a Friday night game. You don't, yeah, they might be tired. That's right, after getting run off the ground and then having port the week before and having to travel from there. Obviously, they get a bit of an extra day's break than we do. Oh, yeah. But um, you just never know, do you, with these sort of games, these big Saturday or well, afternoon game, I guess, but, you know, big game. You just don't know. You never know. I mean, it's a good challenge for us. I don't think a lot of our players have played in front of crowds of 80,000. I, I actually yeah. don't think anyone um, under 100 games for our club would have played in a in a game more than 80,000 people. Um, so it'll be a big test. And, and it's crowds that we hope to play in front of for years to come as we start pushing to be a final side and these players start maturing and we start getting better. So it's a good test on the weekend to see us play in a massive crowd. I, I got a text before saying that it's a fully ticketed event, so you can't even go in the GA. You have to reserve your seats because um, they're expecting a big, a big one. And Collingwood fans come out in full force. It's a Hawthorne home game. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Can't wait. What's your key to winning this one? Well, we'll go through our changes because... Oh, that's right. Yep. Um, I thought Bramble was poor. Um, I don't know if he's going to make it at AFL level. And if it is, it won't be in our Hawthorne side. I, I'm, I'm done with him. I feel like he, well. he, he has pace, but some of his weapons... I mean, he doesn't have enough weapons. So his kicking was, was absolutely poor. I feel like there's people like Weddle, and who, who did play with him on the weekend, that he is a better player for that position than, than what Bramble is um, already. Um, yep. I'm also taking McKenzie out just structurally. I feel like we've got too many mids. Yeah. Um, we need to put Will Day in the midfield. And, yeah, I, I just... McKenzie out on a wing probably is taking mm, away yeah. some other players as well. So I'm yeah. taking um, Bramble and McKenzie out and I'm hopefully Amon's fit. And comes back in, and, and Scrimshaw comes in. Uh, I've got, I've got the same, same ones. I think it was the right call to bring McKenzie in for the last game, but you're right, he didn't do himself too much favors, and I think structurally it was probably a little bit off. And I think just having him in for a big game against Collingwood with a lot of lights, a lot of fans, it might be a bit overawing for him in his first year. So maybe just give him the rest for this one. Um, and Bramble, yeah, he used the ball way too bad to be given another game in a row, so he'll come out. Scrimshaw has to come back in after his VFL performance and we need a, a cool, calm, collected head back there. 
and Amon will be a really welcome addition. Hopefully he's okay for this one. I don't think people are talking enough about maybe it's not just a one-week injury, but we'll see what happens. I'll say Brockman's very lucky because yep. we don't have much competition for spots there. I think his intent has to be way better this week because I can't do another week of watching a player who's got all these weapons at his disposal play like he's running at 50%. I agree. I actually do think, though, that Brockman is a guy with 80,000 at the G that actually might end up surprising. I think. He's I hope a, you're right. A, he's a big game player. With because our small forwards up. are starting to fire. Bruce is yep. playing excellent footy consistently every week. Wingard is hitting his best form of the last, pretty much his whole career at Hawthorne right now. But Brocky's performing unders and I and I don't really rate Sam Butler enough to override Brockman right now. Yeah. But it's getting close because that's two really poor games in a row. The good news is our last two MCG games have been pretty good. No. Actually no, not last not, two. Not the Carlton one. <laughs> the, I was thinking about the Brisbane one. Yeah, yeah, well the Brisbane one was good. The Carlton one was shocking. Two of our last three have been two of our last yeah. three. Yeah. Our last our last performance there. Because you know we played really good against Richmond and we probably could have won that pretty easily. I mean well we should have you know, we don't have to yep. go back that again. Hey, Richmond but, um, took it all up to Melbourne yesterday as well, so it may show that we could be thereabouts against top sides. We've obviously beaten Brisbane and St Kilda this season that are both in the eight. Obviously, we didn't beat St yesterday, but um, we, we showed that at our best, we can really take it to the top teams, and it's probably the best challenge we're going to get this year, obviously, taking on the ladder leaders late in the season. Before we get more into the pies, who's your player to watch for this one? I'm going with Finn McGuinness, and just because yeah, the only might. damaging player for Collingwood that, that really scares me is Nick Dacos. He's, he's a playmaker from the back half. He doesn't really make too many mistakes. That If we shut him down, that's just a guy we, we don't need to worry about. And we saw Finn McGuinness do something similar in the preseason, and we actually got really close to Collingwood. Obviously, Collingwood probably weren't playing... Down, down in Tassie, though. Yeah, there was down in Tassie. Collingwood weren't playing their best because it's pre-season and no one really tries and it's hard to get a gauge on how hard we actually tried either um but we did see finn go to dacos that game and he had zero impact um i think still had 21 disposals but dacos is always going to find ways to find the footy um but he had 28 on friday night and wasn't at his best at all no and he wasn't shut down but he wasn't at his best and he wasn't at his best and they lost yeah. So and and the the week before Willem Drew went to Nick Dacos and they lost. So if Dacos doesn't have a good game, then it can go a long way to uh, beating. And sorry, sorry, they didn't lose against Port. They they won, um, but only just. So yeah. I don't know. I think tagging Dacos um, is is what Finn needs to do. And and I know I have full faith in Finn that he is able to do it. And it's a big week for him because if he doesn't do it, then Collingwood can really get off the chain and really punish us. Yep. My, my players to watch is actually Dylan Moore this week. Oh, yeah? Because we've had a lot of good small forwards performing recently and Dylan Moore tries his ass off every game and I think he did a pretty good game on the weekend. I'd probably give him like a 7 or a 6 out of 10. You know, he was one of the better players on the ground. Yep. Um, but I think he's still performing a little bit below his level this year in total. So I reckon this is a game for him to... Big MCG game... Um, to come out well, there's gonna be a lot of focus on Bruce and Wingard to really sneak in there, be a really dangerous small forward if we surge forward. So I, I think Dylan Moore's gonna have a big one. I have a feeling. And how do we beat him? Yeah, so I'm gonna go a bit different this week. High pressure. Yeah. Like turn up the pressure gauge because when I watched Carlton play them on the weekend, they really made life difficult for them. And what they did is actually punish them off counter attack. So because Collingwood just surge a bunch of numbers forward, they play kind of a Richmond sort of game style. They just 
they just get going. They get on their bike, they get their numbers around, they get handball chains going, quick kicks. You need to sort of try to make them turn the ball over in the midfield because once they're all running forward, all the back lines open. And they and they do trust Darcy Moore to really sort of patrol that back area. But yeah. when he's one-on-one, I mean, you can surge numbers forwards and help your key forward out. So high pressure, don't let him burst through the corridor. We're going to have to work way harder than what we did against Saints because we did not work near hard enough and we made life way too easy for them. So our pressure gauge has got to be 10 times higher if we're going to be even a shot for this game. Yeah, it's funny. I'm not mentioning too many players for Collingwood because I just said that Nick Dacos is really damaging and, and the other one that is just an elite player for them is Darcy Moore. But they're a system side, so it's not necessarily about the players to watch but more so how they play. Um, they move it fast and like, like Richmond in their premiership years, they like to slingshot and I feel like the same as you, we can almost beat them at their own game and, and slingshot them back and, and get them on the counter because they all go up in numbers. Yeah. So. They're not one... They, they kind of flood. They don't keep too many back. I think Darcy Moore and Nathan Murphy and, and one of a Quainer or a Noble kind of stick back. Mm-hmm. But for majority, they all go forward. Yeah. So if we can slingshot them um, and, and find scores like we've been able to do, um, that'd be perfect. There was a there was a bit of play um, on the weekend. I think it was maybe Sisley Day to Bruce um, where we caught Bruce off um, almost... He could have almost ran into an open goal, but he held it up because he probably didn't back his pace. But it was a really good example of the slingshot plays that we could do against Collingwood. Yeah. Um, and that was a pure example. So I really like seeing that. Um, but otherwise, if we go to our tips, I reckon the pies are too strong. I reckon. Oh, definitely. Uh, you, you can't tip us. Like, no. We, we could win. It'd be but, silly too. But you couldn't go in there being like, oh, we're going to win today. Like, nah. No. I, I give us a. I, saying what I said to win the game, I think there's still a really low percentage chance. I mean, I actually think we play similar to how the Pies play, just their defense is 10 times better than ours. Yeah. So they can sort of fall back on having their high octane attack and still defend. I'm going Collingwood by 35 points. I'm going Collingwood by 25. I think we'll still bring a little bit to them and then we'll play well, but I just don't think that we're strong enough to play well consistently enough to beat them. Um, this could be a bloodbath. I'm going to say that though. I said 35, but I honestly reckon if we play like we did against Saints, I mean, if we let 40, 55 points in a quarter against St. Kilda, St. Kilda. Yeah. Who do they have in Caminiti? Like, come on. Come off it. What Billings and Butler, Richmond rejects. No, they, we will get murdered if we play near that level of pressure. So our midfield has to be on because they've got good mids as well. Like to go, we, uh, they've got Tom Mitchell in there that's a bit more of a, even a supporting role. That shows how good their midfield is. Taylor Adams, Scott Pendlebury, Nick Dacos jumps in there. They can really, they can murder us if we don't play well. We have Absolutely. to, we have to bring out the pressure this game. Absolutely. I'm just going to hope that they're, they're still off from Friday night. Um, it's a Hawthorne home game, which we love. Yay. Um, and it's retro rounds. So and it's we, a home game at the G. Oh, Can thank, you believe that? Thank God. Yeah, not at Marvel. I'm, I'm surprised it's taken all podcasts to, to actually get to that fact that we played a Marvel tenant stupid. at Marvel as our home game. Um, maybe the Saints should play a home game at the G against us next year. Maybe maybe they should play a home game against us in Tasmania next year to make up for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd love that. Um, it, it's retro round. So I don't know if you saw today, Hawthorne changed their logos on all social media to that old Hawk logo, um, the one before the current logo. Um, we'll be wearing our 99 Anset Cup jersey, Keen. which is an absolute ripper of a kit. We've both, we've both got our jerseys for that one. I've got Luke Bruce on the back. 
and I'm still to get a number. So maybe we can all decide which number I should get um, for next week. Um, <laughs> I don't mind that suggestion, actually. Or maybe Sticks Ryan to get a jumper upgrade <laughs> um, for next year. Um, but, yeah, being retro round, I want to ask you again at the top of the bat. I, I put it out to social media today and got some good responses of what their favourite game was since we had that logo. So that's probably from around 95 to 2007. Um, so if you want to think of and you can't say the elimination final Damn. again. Um, so if you can think of your favourite game from mm. then, that'd be good. I'll, I'll rip. I'll um, tell you what some of our listeners thought. Um, they thought not um, round 12, 1999, we came back from about 60 points against St Kilda at Waverley Park and we beat them. Uh, in the 2001 semi-final, John Barker kicked the winning goal against Port Adelaide um, at Football Park and that was just after 9-11. Um, so we did it then. That was years ago. We weren't watching then. Uh, the last game at Waverley Park in 1999 against the Swans, the farewell game. So there's plenty of good games since we had that logo. Uh, but I'll go first and say that there was a game against Essendon in 2006. I think it was round five. And it was bucketing down at the MCG and Mark Williams kicked the winning goal. <laughs> and I think it was one of the first games that I watched in full on TV. And it was the game that really got me to love Hawthorne was when Mark Williams kicked that winner against Essendon. Um, it's one of the games that I go back to on YouTube and, and watch and you see Richie Van- Vandenberg and Danny Jacobs and Tim Clark and all those players that were playing in that time um, and in that era where we first started following Hawthorne. So that was one of my yeah. favourite games. Look, it's a hard question, honestly, because I was a young kid. You don't a lot remember of too many of them. I do. I remember like uh, wins here and there and obviously the debuts of some of our champions. But the one that stands out for me, the one I go back to, just for one sort of scene in the game, was got to be the line in the sand game. Oh, like, uh, yes. Round 11, 2004. I know we lost that one, but Jesus, just the the turning point, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, in a lot of fans' opinions as well, I, I have to go with the line in the sand game. It's just too funny to watch. Um, That's watch one that going. I always yeah. watch highlights of. That's There was a change of the guard. It's We got better, and Essendon only have won one final since then, which was that year. Of and one still there. counting. Hey, guys, if you're on Facebook, check out number of days since Essendon last won a final on Facebook. They update you pretty regularly on how many days it's been. It's a fantastic page. We to love your honest, work. Matt, I'm pretty sure all our listeners are probably following that page because we all hate the scum. Oh, I hope you, I hope you are. I love it. And, and it's funny. We are talking about Buddy Franklin before, um, and he played his whole career without witnessing Essendon win a final. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sucked into the drug cheats. I love it. How good. So hopefully now he's retired, they don't start winning any. But um, it's just funny that he has this whole legacy, this whole great career. And during that whole career, um, I think Essendon have only beaten him three times since he was playing as well. Wow. Yeah, he, he, like they that. were his bunnies a little bit. Yeah. yeah. He used to kick eight at Marvel on them and stuff. He has a good record. Well, the um, back then. Yeah. Yes, him. So... Yeah. So, what did our fans say for that? For the uh, oh, you, you yeah, mentioned I, a few of them, didn't you? I already yeah. read a few of them out. Oh, um, but I think the two thousand one semi final probably got the most votes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. good question. Thanks for sending those in, guys. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I'll ask more questions on socials. You can find us on. It's now called X. It's not called Twitter anymore. Um, X, Facebook, Threads, and Instagram. What's, what's Musk doing these days? Yeah. <laughs> SpaceX now just X. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah, fantastic. Well, what shapes up to be an interesting game this Saturday evening. Um, I'm quite excited for this one. I, I, I am a little bit excited. Just, just a big crowd at the G yeah, for Yeah, love a, love a, a good big, big game. game. We yeah. don't get any Friday night games. We don't get any Saturday night games. This is probably the closest to a Saturday night game we're going to get. Yeah, we get away from that shit Marvel ground and you know, have, a, have a good dip. We'll see how, we'll see how we go against... It'll be good to see where we go, how we go because it's against the best club in the comp. And we, are, yeah. I, I know we went really hard on the Hawks this week because I was, I, I backed us in. I, we Saints. both tipped us. That's right, yeah. and we know we don't do that pretty much ever <laughs> right now. So we're both a bit disappointed with that. We do understand though that St Kilda were fighting for their finals place, and we're fighting for bottom three finish. So realistically, they should have won anyway. I just think the way we played against Richmond, we could have. We could have trounced them with their with their outs, but yeah. Looking forward to this one, James. That's footy. Go Hawks. Go the Hawks. <laughs>